Hey everyone, and thank you for joining us for episode 28 of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. My name is Matt, and joining me on the show today are my two co-hosts. First up, the esteemed Dice Tower contributor, Tiffany B. Hey, hey. And that guy, Dan. Ladies. All right, everyone. So thank you again for joining us. If you want to reach out to us, you can always do so by finding us on Facebook or Twitter by searching for the League of Nonsensical Gamers. You can always shoot us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com, or you can join the conversation with us over at the BGG Guild, number 2077. So today's show outline is we're going to run it a little bit shorter since last episode was a little bit longer with our Gen Con coverage. We're going to do two of our mini segments, filler feature and two for two. But before we get into any of that, we're going to start the show as we normally do by chatting a little bit about what we've been playing. And Tiff, I'm going to kick it over to you because you just started real work again. Yes, real work has kept me from gaming. Um, I haven't really played too much. Uh, stuff on my phone, I, I, I've gotten to play a little turn the tide on my phone here and there when I get a short, short break, but 12-hour days working with kids, no time for games just yet. Real life is the worst. Pretty much. <laughs> well, fortunately, Dan and I just don't have real lives, and we played plenty of games. So, Dan, how about you talk about one of the games you've been playing? Recently, well, I guess at Gen Con, I picked up one of the very few available copies of Gold West, which is a new uh, game from Tasty Minstrel and designer J. Alex Kevern um, with really nice graphics and design from uh, Adam MacGyver. Uh, this game is a little mix of everything. It's got a little area control, uh, some resource management using this neat little um, simplified Moncala, and then all kinds of other things like resource fulfillment, set collection. So it, it's, it's a nice mix of everything. The basic premise is you are all up-and-coming mining companies in the in the West looking for gold, I guess. Um, so the resources you'll be mining in this game, gold, silver, bronze, as well as some wood and stone. And the, the center of the board is all of these flip-down tiles of the different resource types and different land types. And you're going to be building settlements and camps throughout the board, collecting the resources from the tiles that you're pulling off. And then those tiles are used in the area control portion of the game I mentioned, which then scores end game points for the person who influences the most uh, of that terrain type. So the, the driving mechanism to build everything with and gather the metals is this little Moncala that you have on your player board, which has four different mine shaft uh, sections. And what you'll do is you'll pick up all of the resources from one of the mine shafts, and then you'll drop them in the above mine shafts and then at the end you'll have the ones that came off of your player board these are the active resources that you have to spend for that turn and anything not spent is waste and if you don't have enough to spend then there's certain penalties that you could incur um, to build a settlement etc so managing that mine shaft is is really fun uh, but not overly complex but there are some decisions to be made on what section of the board you're going to place it when you gather these resources um, the, the game lasts in a two to three player game, 12 turns in a four player game. I think it's 10 turns. Um, and you'll be doing everything from shipping metals to there's this little area of the board called Boomtown, which you're going to be using to gain end game points. And then there's also investments you can make in the different metals that gain you points immediately, as well as investment bonuses. So a lot of a lot of small little mini games worked into uh, a really smooth package. Um, I would I would recommend it if you had you know, 
a, a need for another 45 to 60 minute euro. Um, and it's, it's beautiful to look at on the table is the other thing I would say. Yeah, I agree with that. I got the chance to play it at Gen Con with Dan and a couple other people. And I think it kind of gives you that sort of Stefan Feld Euro thing, but like in a shorter amount of time. So it, it, it does feel very much like point salad, which I enjoy quite a bit. So I think when this becomes widely available, I'll be picking it up. Yeah, I'm not wholly sold on it, though. I, I mean, I've only played it one time, um, and I think that some more plays would be of benefit in terms of forming an opinion and kind of learning the strategy of the game. I like the area control, and this might just be because it's a preferred kind of uh, mode of play for me. I really like area control games, so I had fun with that, um, and I thought that that was pretty cool. I do like how the game is packaged together. I think it works very well. I just found the Mancala to, it felt underdeveloped to me and kind of superfluous, but maybe that was just from my play and kind of the way um, it worked out. It just felt that resources were tight and you've got four levels of the the mine shaft, but it's not really something that you're fully utilizing. Um, it felt more like something that was tacked on rather rather than a focal point. The board play is more of your of your focal point. But I did enjoy the game, and and like you both have said, for 45 minutes, I mean, I definitely play it whenever it came out. But um, I don't know. It it just felt a little bland to me. It just felt like it was kind of like a mid range Euro game. So it was. It was plenty fine, but it didn't kind of blow me away. Yeah, the Mancala is is interesting. And what the one thing I do like about the game is there's multiple avenues to victory. I know the first game we played with myself and Tiff and Joe Pinchback was all three of us took completely different strategies and were at various stages of the game when it ended. And then at the end, it all like once we scored end game points, et cetera, we all came together within like a 10 point range of each other. It was actually kind of neat to see the balance of the different strategies we took. Um, and I kind of saw that with our last play as well. Um, I took a little different strategy than you and Ben did. And it, again, we were all within a, a fairly tight range. Um, on the Mancala piece of it, I do agree that, I, I don't know that that fourth, that fourth barrel I think is there to kind of entice you to get those instant three victory points. So each each level of the mine shaft when you cl- collect resources, has a different point value on it. So the bottom is three, then two, then one, then zero. So wherever you apply the the resources, when you gather them, you'll gain instant points. So putting it in the bottom mine shaft gets you that three points, but it's gonna take you longer to get that up there. Now, what I did see was when we played the first game, Joe Pinchback, he utilized that bottom thing and he dropped all of his resources in it. So he was getting three points, three points, three points, three points for about like four turns. And then he just did one big shoot up the mine shaft and collected the, like one or two investment cards. So it was a nice big point spread. Those four or five turns he utilized, he had to take the penalty for camp building. But I, I think it's viable. Um, again, I, I need to explore it a little bit more. But I know yesterday I was utilizing more of the let's drop it in the one or zero bin and just get them out quick. Just trying to sh- rapid fire some some quick resources out. Yeah, it feels like something that you'd have to experiment with and almost kind of like not sacrifice a game. But when I was looking at it, it felt like the immediate benefit wasn't there and it feels like you're falling behind. So I was less enticed, but there might be something to just kind of eating it up front for that late game benefit. Yeah, because I mean, if you think about it, like I mentioned, like our, our point spread was like only 10 or so. And if you dropped like four of your resource collections into that bottom bin for three points each that's 12 points right there that you may not have gotten going up to the top you know you know what i mean 
I think it's viable with certain strategies, but I, I won't say definitively it is. I mean, maybe it only needs three mine shafts. I'm not sure, but I think more plays will kind of have to be experimented with. And the good thing is, like you mentioned, it's 45 minutes, so it's not something that's too hard to get out to the table. Yeah, it's it's worth playing around with uh, over a couple plays. Um, so I'm going to jump in with one of the games that I played. So I was fortunate enough, um, I had to do a work training for a whole week, um, which was fun, but I was down in North Carolina by myself. Turns out there's a huge gaming community down there. Um, so shout out to everyone who took good care of me and made sure that I had games to play um, down in North Carolina. One of the games that I got to play was Warehouse 51. For once in the world, I get to do the name dropping. I played with Chris Kirkman, um, Ruth, and Josh Mills, um, and one of the other guys who was local around the shop. And this is a really cool kind of bidding auction game. Um, thematically, I mean, it's a little silly. I think you, the U.S. has gone bankrupt and is selling off all these artifacts from their Warehouse 51 where they keep all kinds of funky stuff like horn of a unicorn and you know famous swords and the holy grail and things like that but essentially what it is is it's a closed economy bidding game where you're trying to buy stake or almost like stock in certain colors so there's four different colors and there's a varying distribution in those colors and you're trying to gain control of those colors to score points at the end of the game but the trick to this game is that everyone starts out with a certain amount of money and whenever you bid on something, um, there are open bids and closed bids. And when you bid, if you win, you pass your money to the person on your left. So all the money stays in circulation. Um, it just varies from player to player, um, almost like a game that we'll talk about in a second, Mogul or like No Thanks or something like that. Um, I just thought it was really clever because it takes a, a deeper little auction mechanic that provides a lot of good choices and injects this kind of hilarious social element because you're trying to like goad people into winning and you're like oh you know you're you're picking tactically when to try to beat the person on your right because you know you'll get all that money if you let them win that card so I really had a good time with it I thought it was a really great um, pretty short game it probably hits about 45 minutes to an hour and I just thought it was a really good time so I think Tiff you got a play of this in didn't you I did, and I would just like to call out Josh Mills right now. <laughs> uh, he told me, you know, even if you don't like bidding games, you might like this one. And I sat down and I played it totally 100%, taking him for his word, believing him, and, and he was wrong, and he lied. <laughs> but So you are not a fan. Um, you know, I, I have the same problem that I have every time with bidding games, is I never really know when to, like, go for it. Yeah. I never really... I'm just so hesitant in in everything that I do, so it's it's not a good style of game for me, and I I just need to learn to say no. Bidding <laughs> is what I've learned. <laughs> it's a it's a tough little game. I mean, all those kind of games you usually have to play a couple times to really get the value of certain things. But uh, I I just liked that if you your success depends on the success of the other players sometimes because yeah. you've got to you've got to make those sacrifices to get extra funds and things like that well i was hoping that everybody else being better at bidding games than me might pay off in the end yeah. since like you know the person to your left or whatever gets your gets money but uh that didn't happen for me <laughs> and <laughs> I, I lost so i was in such bad shape like halfway through the game that it was demoralizing but this it, it kind of came up that 
a lot of games that require multiple plays, like bidding games, like trick-taking games, I usually complain about because I don't play games over and over and over and over again. Yeah. It's just not, it doesn't work with the groups that I play with and, you know, the amount of free time that I have. So that's probably why bidding games are not for me. I just don't have the patience to do it over and over again. Yeah to get better at it i will say that this game is probably most successful at a higher player count um, and i'll actually use this to transition to dan's next game that he's going to talk about but um we played with five and it was really good and there was a lot of good bidding and it was a tight race for most of the control but i feel like three might not be that great um four might even be four might be a sweet spot but it really does work well with more because it thins out the distribution of those cards makes things a little bit more contentious and then you get higher bids and, and it's a little bit more exciting so i would say that as a caveat that i don't think this is going to be a great low player count game but uh dan what else have you been playing uh if you want to stay on the bidding train here choo choo um we got a chance to play mogul which is a old well the original mogul was released back in 2002 this is a michael shock game um, and rio gran brought it back with a couple of twists just recently i think within the last month or so uh, this game's main mechanism is and i'm going to say this for the purposes of just using a common game it uses the no thanks bidding system however i will state for historical purposes that michael shock's original 2002 mogul is what no thanks is actually based off of so thank you todd yes thank you todd as well as the rule book it actually says that in the back <laughs> of the rule book does it yes um it actually says no thanks as well which i thought was kind of funny um in this game this is a quick i don't know 20 to 30 minute uh bidding game on stocks so you're all railroad moguls and you're trying to obtain there's five different types of stock color-coded and these different stocks have varying amounts within the deck. And you're going to play until you come up with this Wall Street crash card. So the ending of the game happens instantly when that comes up. It's in the last three cards you shuffle it in. So once you get down to four cards, you know, oh, this could end soon. But the, the basic mechanic is you're going to flip over a stock card. And you're going to bid on it. So in no thanks style, you'll throw one chip into this nice little wooden bowl they give you, which is kind of nice. Um... I've never seen that in a bidding game. It's entirely too large. It's hilarious. It is, because the chips... Half the box is the bowl. The chips they give you are really tiny, which doesn't look like the ones in the rule book. But I digress. So you're going to throw one in if you want to stay in, and it keeps going around until someone passes. When the first person passes, they take all of the chips that are in the bowl. They are then out of bidding. And then it starts up with the player to the left... They start bidding again. So you play until everyone has passed but one person. That person is the winner. And as the winner of the bid, you lose, obviously, a ton of your chips, but you get to steer the direction of this stock card that's up for bid. So you have two options as the winner. You can either uh, collect the stock card and put it into your pile, so you've got more stock to work with, or you can sell the stock. And on the bottom of each card, so say I had a purple stock that I won the bid with, on the bottom of the purple stock, there may be, I forget, was it yellow is on the bottom of purple? or Yeah, gray, maybe. One of the other five There's colors color. is on the bottom of the, the purple stock card, and that is the color of stock you can actually sell if you don't choose to keep the purple stock. So the way you sell 
is that you total up the total number of stocks around the table of that color you're looking to sell, and then you multiply that by the number of stock you have in your, your pile. So if there's five gray stock around the board and I've got two of them, I'm selling that for 10. And then you move up the track $10. Um, the option if you don't choose to sell stock is you can use the board, which has these little railroad tracks laid out in five different paths. And you can place what's called a depot on the board in that color that you would have sold it in. So if we were selling gray, it's also a gray depot. So you have those choices. So whichever one you don't choose, the person who played uh, finished second in the bidding war gets to take the other option. And then of the two options, whoever collected the stock option gets to go first for the next bid. And again, you do this over and over until the stock market crash card comes out, which is, I don't know, like, tw I don't know, 20, 30 cards deep. I don't remember the exact count of cards. So at that point, you're going to total up your stock portfolio, um, all of the depots on the board score based on how many you have on a particular color line. So if I had three blue depots, they're worth three each. So that's nine bucks there. And then you'll score up your portfolio and the person with the most money at the end wins. Um, I really enjoyed this one. I thought it was, I, I think I actually like it better than no thanks. Um, and no thanks is one of my favorite fillers. This one just scratched just a slightly deeper itch than no thanks for me with the, the decisioning points of, do I keep the stock? Do I sell the stock? Do I even keep bidding? Do I pull out? You know, so it had that, that thought process with no thanks where you're looking to pull chips because you're low, um, or you just jump out quickly cause you know, you can't do anything. So a lot of really cool little decision points that I really enjoyed. Yeah, I liked the the game overall, and I, I see the comparison to No Thanks. No Thanks is obviously like a more streamlined version, and it's a little bit different because you're trying to, you're bidding on not getting the card because of the point values. So, I mean, there's definitely a comparison there. Obviously, it's in the rulebook and things like that. I don't know which one I like more. I think that Mogul feels a little bit more meatier, and I think there's more interesting decisions, but there's something to be said for No Thanks. I think it fits the filler a little bit better, um, but I think Mogul's going to succeed at a higher player count. You know, we played with three, and I think that four and five, kind of like Warehouse 51, will be a bit more successful because there's more contention, there's more bidding, fighting over uh, the area control on the board. Um, I do think that there's something to be said. We kind of ran into some funky spots where people were stocked we're working on building up a stockpile and then ran out of cards to be able to sell or do anything with those cards. So it was a little unfortunate. I, it might have just been first play experience because we we weren't paying attention. But Ben had like five gray cards and I was like, yeah, you can't sell those because all the sell the gray sell actions are gone out of the deck. And he's like, oh, crap. So there are those situations where you got to be very mindful and do some card counting to make sure that every action is efficient. Um, but I definitely, I liked it. It was one of my favorite games from that we played yesterday. Um, all right, everyone. So that's a little bit of what we've been playing. We're going to go ahead and end that there. And now we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to do a filler feature on the Grizzled. So stay tuned for that. Toodles. All right, everyone, we are back, and it is time to jump right into our filler feature. 
we are going to chat about The Grizzled, and Dan is going to tell us a little bit about the game. Hey guys, get ready to get real excited. No, it's yeah ready to get get ready to get kind of kind of depressed yeah i was trying to set the stage a little bit higher but i failed i fell off get ready to to have ptsd whoa no too too soon too soon or Um, one anyways what are we talking about right now we're talking about the grizzled we're talking about being in the trenches the grizzled is a game it's a french game the french title is les poulies i believe uh, which translates roughly to the Grizzled, which is the nickname, I'm, I'm thinking, don't quote me on this, I believe it's the nickname that they gave to those soldiers that were in the trenches of the Great War. And what this game tries to do is it tries to, it's a cooperative game for two to five players, and it, it looks to kind of foster that teamwork and cooperation that the men had to utilize in the trenches to overcome the different threats and um different paranoias and hard knocks that they experienced personally um while in these trenches so it's a it's a really deep theme actually for being a game that only has like 60 cards and a little first player marker it's it's kind of a it, it, i don't know like matt said it's like it's almost depressing in a way if you really play it to the theme as opposed to playing it mechanically and just ignoring the theme completely but I, I really enjoy it. So just a little bit about the game. So as I mentioned, it's a card game and it's cooperative. Uh, what happens is you're going to be going on these missions. There's two decks of cards or two piles of cards. One is called the trials pile. One is called the, I forget what it's called. It's your morale basically. And there's a win condition, which is if you empty the trial pile as well as every card in your hand. And then there's the lose condition, which is the, if the uh, morale pile goes to zero before you can win the game uh, you will automatically lose so what you're going to be doing is you're going to be playing out missions and a mission is basically a round and during the round there's four phases uh, the first phase is the mission leader who is the first player is going to deal out the mission intensity so what that means is he can choose a minimum of one card and maximum of whatever he'd like and he deals that many cards to each player those are the cards they have for the round Um, Once the mission intensity is set, then you go into the actual mission itself. And during the mission, there's a couple things you can do. You can uh, play cards to the center, which is called No Man's Land. You can play your lucky charm if you have it. You can uh, pull out of the mission. There's all kinds of things you can do on your turn. But the gist is what you're trying to do is there's six different types of threats shown on these cards. Some have more than one. Others just have one. Uh, the gas mask, the bullet, the whistle, and then there's three settings, so night, rain, and winter. And what you're trying to avoid doing is get any three of those aggregated in the center. Because if you do, then you fail this mission, and it makes it just harder. You don't lose the game, but those cards get shuffled back into the trials pile, and you're trying to get rid of the trials pile, so obviously adding more cards to it is not the essence of what you're trying to do. So as you're doing this there's also these hard knocks cards which are cards that come onto your player themselves and they have specific conditions that limit your ability to do different things so some some of them have like a phobia for instance and the phobia could be of one of the six threats so what it does is if you have a phobia of night that gives you a permanent night and again remember you're trying to avoid getting three of them in the middle so until as long as you're in the round you always have that permanent night so things like that there's one that's mute 
and the mute person cannot talk. So that limits your cooperation <laughs> right there. Um, all kinds of different things. And again, these personal hardships really take a toll on you throughout the game and trying to complete the mission itself. It's, it's a lot to explain, and I apologize if I kind of went all over the board with it. It's just there's a lot of little nitpicky rules and... But once you get them, it's a it's a really easy flowing game. Um, I I really enjoy this for its cooperative nature. It's it's tough, but it's not too tough. And it really like I, like I mentioned at the beginning, it really gives you that feel of kind of cooperating to kind of avoid the threats and the trials and tribulations of war, etc. So I I give this two thumbs up. Uh, one thing I didn't mention is the art. It's freaking beautiful. Um, it was sadly done by uh, Tignus, who is, for those who don't know, one of the artists who died in the Charlie Hebdo attacks earlier this year in Paris. Um, so it's it's a bit bittersweet, but the, the game is a joy to look at, and his art really conveyed the mood and the theme of the game. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Now, Tiff, you haven't played this yet, right? No, okay. I didn't get a copy of it. Okay, so I'll, I'll speak to it a little bit more. Um I just think that in terms of gameplay, it's a game, it's a cooperative game that actually fosters cooperation. And some cooperative games don't always do that. They do that with the right group. But in this game, it doesn't matter kind of what group you have. You have to cooperate because everyone's kind of doing their own thing on their own turn. So they're playing the cards that are in their hand and you don't, you don't get a lot of choice. And it's kind of like being in the war. You don't get a lot of choice when you're in the trenches in World War One. You, you've got these things to do and you just kind of do them. So where the cooperation comes in is who are we going to give those valuable support tokens to? When are we going to use that really valuable charm that lets us discard a card and keep us alive? Um, and it's just this mutual feeling of we're not even trying to win. We're just trying to survive. That makes it all about kind of using your resources sparingly and to benefit each person in the moment as opposed to instead of creating like an alpha player or anything like that because it really just it can't happen it I, I don't think that this game allows for an alpha player um, and you know to speak to the art as well it's it's that political cartoon style art so I do think it's I don't think it's like uh, art gallery beautiful it's definitely a, a style that you have to enjoy to really appreciate, but if you do like that style of art, I think you're, you'll gravitate to it, and it really sets the mood. Um, it puts a little bit of a, a lighthearted twist on kind of a grim game, um, but I, I really think the Grizzled, especially at the price point of like 20, 25 bucks, is a great cooperative offering and, and really a gem from this year that I think people are starting to appreciate more and more as time goes on. Well, I mean... I would comment that not a lot of people have gotten a chance to appreciate it because only a hundred people in the U.S. have it right now. But yeah, I think that word is spreading though. That when, well, when people, yeah. some people got it, and it was a lot of board game media people, fortunately. And then word is starting to trickle, and people are starting to ask questions about like, what is this grizzled game that everyone's talking about? So I do think that the word is spreading, and justly so. I think it deserves to be. Um, I I don't know if it's a collection essential, but it's definitely a darn good game. I think it's worth having. If you're a fan of co-ops, I will second that the alpha player problem in this game is pretty much non-existent. It's just the communication and the restrictions on the communication and what you can do on your turn really kind of limits your ability to take over the game. 
or one person to take over the game. So that's something I probably like the most about it because that's something I really hate about co-eds and co co-eds. I love co-eds. Um, (laughs) It's something I hate about co-ops in general is just that whole, that necessity that people feel to take over a game and point things out to other people. I do appreciate that. I also don't think that there are any, there's no reason to ever get mad at your, your friends and stuff because some co-ops you're like, why did you make that move? What are you doing? But in this game, you're just, you're all trapped with these hands of awful cards. And when somebody's like, I, I have to do this. I'm so sorry, everyone. You kind of look at them and you're like, that wasn't great. And it kind of bones me, but I get it, man. I get it. We're in the trenches together. It's okay. We'll get through this. Yeah, while you're sitting over there with your your lunacy card where you've gone nuts and you can't do anything, it's like, oh, well, like he can't yeah. do anything, so I can't get mad at him. <laughs> or tyrannical or something crazy like that. Yeah, the guy who hogs the first player marker, yeah. It's very cool. It's It's very thematic, and it's surprising just how fun such a basic little card game is. And it's tough, too. I mean, we once we started playing the correct way, we did a lot better, but it's still a tough game all the time. Yeah, so that's The Grizzled. I highly recommend it. I think Matt would as well. And Tiff, I think you'll enjoy it because I know you love co-ops. Yay. Go get it, Tiff. I'm going to get it when it comes out. I'm really excited. Be the 101st person. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that the street date is September 15th. Oh, that's soon. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that is The Grizzled. One to check out. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we have the rebirth of two for two. We are going to talk about two awesome games that are great for two players. Join us then. All right. Three, two, one. It's tiny time with Tiffany. I feel like I should just let that be the... The transition there. Uh, <laughs> welcome back, everyone, to Tiny Time with Tiffany. Uh, she is going to chat about All Creatures Big and Small, the first of our two-for-two two games today. Okay, so All Creatures Big and Small, I'll just go right out and start this way. It's one of my very favorite two-player games. It's essentially Agricola light. It focuses on the animal husbandry aspect of Agricola, so it's greatly simplified in that way. You're just building the buildings. You have three workers. You take turns, just like in Agricola. You build buildings, you build fences, you add food troughs, which which let you house more animals. And then, you know, at the end of the round, if you have two of them in an enclosure, they have a little baby. And there are different points scoring for each animal. And, you know, you have to get a certain number of them to not get negative points. Um, so it feels a lot like Agricola in that way, and you have to be pretty efficient, but it's not as punishing as Agricola can be, and it plays pretty quickly. Now, most of the time when I play it, I have the expansion, the the additional buildings. What is that called? Anybody know? It's I think it's just called like More Tiny Animals or something like that. <laughs> Well, there are two. I th- there are two expansions, and they just add more buildings. So it's a good replayable two players if you get those expansions, because it can feel a little samey if you're just playing straight out of the box. But with the expansions, it's infinitely replayable, in my opinion. So yeah, Agricola, all creatures big and small. Um, I think 
Dan, you've played this, right? I have. I've played this a couple times. Um, I totally agree with your Agricola light and kind of how it distills Agricola just into the animal parts. The animal parts, yeah. <laughs> it just goes about all those animal parts. You know, the horse. Never mind, I'm not going to say I'm uncomfortable. It. What is happening? We're talking about games, Dan. I'm, I'm speaking... To all our anthropomorphic friends out there right now. No, okay. I'm kidding. All right. <laughs> all right, so I have a question. Uh, I haven't played this game, but does this replace the two-player version of Agricola, or is it just an easier version of Agricola? Oh, you mean like the, the two-player variant yes. for the base game? Yes. I've never played that variant, so I don't really know. I've only played full-on Agricola the way it's meant to be played sort of a thing. I haven't heard great things about that two-player variant, so... So this might be the better option? This might be the better option. I don't know. I mean, it's... Like I said, it's very simplified. Yeah, I was going to say, let's let's take a step back, because this is very not on the scale of Agricola as far as depth it's, and It's like one quarter and, of Agricola. Yeah, it's basically the animal pieces to it, with a little bit of building and some scarcity in which you can place, etc., and it's good. It's a really good game. And for me, Caverna replaced Agricola only for, I think, because we've talked about this before, I think it's more accessible and it's just an easier sell for at least our group. If you have a table the size of a football field, maybe. <laughs> I, yeah, we played it with three. It fit on the table. Uh, <laughs> Barely. Uh huh. It is a lot. It's definitely one I of those I couldn't games. see the other end of the table, but we played right. it. Looking at that game set up makes me want to cry. And and it was this game that, that made me buy Caverna because this is supposed to incorporate, like, the tile aspect of this. So the buildings are the little tiles and it's supposed to be integrated into Caverna. And I was like, oh, I love all creatures big and small. This will be great because I hated Agricola. This is going to fix it. And uh, it doesn't. So I know this is supposed to be me saying that that all creatures big and small is awesome, but it's turned into me saying Caverna sucks. Oh, and it does. So, so they should play <laughs> Agricola all creatures big and small instead. Maybe I've gone back to just appreciating regular old Agricola. I've swung. I went all the way around. Yeah, yeah. I, this is a weird two for two segment. <laughs> We've gone off the rails. Go farm is what we learned. Yeah, I mean, I, the moral of the story is I'm still searching for that perfect farming game. But this one really, you know, if you if you love the animeeples of Agricola, if that's your thing, then this is great because you're going to stack like a thousand sheep meeples in one little tiny <laughs> like two by two inch square and feel like the king of the sheep. And that's nice. I like that. I've always wanted to be king of the sheep. What does it or feel queen, like to or be? Or queen of the sheep. That's okay. We don't have to be politically Ruler correct. of the sheep. I just want to Princess of the sheep. What does it feel like to rule it's sheep? It's very soft. <laughs> at least it's the until... most comfortable domain to rule over i enjoy at it at least until the spring yes <laughs> yes <laughs> i mean i think king of the pigs sounded grosser so i went with sheep mm. that's all bacon king of the bacon oh i don't like thinking about making them into food they just have babies and live on your farm and just have more babies and that's what it that's what Agricola is all about. You gotta do something with them, Tiff. Agricola, all creatures reproduce. That's what it should be called, correct? Mm, that's a more accurate title. <laughs> yep. Just just call it boning on the farm. 
let's not hire Dan for marketing. Is the I don't moral know. That might story. sell. But no, I, I think, um, Matt, especially, you should totally check into this one because I know you dig two-player games. And, uh, yeah, I think Cal would kick your butt at this. It would be awesome. She kicks my butt at everything, but that's just a matter of fact. It's uh, good. I'd still rather play a Grickler or a Caverna, but it's good. It, it fills that 30-minute uh, if you want to be king of the sheeps. And this is all about games that are good with two players, which we just said Agricola, probably not. So I know, but I no, wanted to definitely. put some context around my opinion. Gotcha. Well, Dan, tell us about another game that's excellent with two players and can only be played with two players. Okay, so I'm going to talk about a, another game that's not released. That seems to be my MO this episode, but it's coming soon, and it made its Gen Con debut, and that's Tides of Time. So this is from Portal Games. This is a micro game. It's two player only and it's drafting, which is the most intriguing part of this. They've found a way to make a two player interesting drafting game. So just to give you the gist, you're playing as like an ancient civilization that is going to go through the ups and downs of prosperity as well as decay throughout three eras of your history. Um, there's only 18 cards in this game, I believe. And those 18 cards are divided into different suits. I believe there's five suits with three cards in each, and then there's three uh, non-suited cards that have like another special powerful ability. So what you're going to be doing is each turn, a player is going to be dealt five cards. And you're going to, just like a draft, you're going to pick one, you're going to play it face down, and pass the pile to the other player <laughs> on your right or left in this case because it's two player. <laughs> um, it's just whatever hand you prefer to pass with. I don't want to know what you're doing with the other hand, but just pass the cards, okay? This is a one-handed game. <laughs> it's like it's like dead or alive volleyball. <laughs> You've gone too far. Anyways, um, so what you're going to do, and then you'll reveal the cards. So that's your card, my card, etc. Then from the next four, you're going to take... So you're going to go back and forth until each player has five cards. And then what you're going to do is you're going to score your tableau with the five cards you've assembled. So these cards have different ways to score. So the three cards in each suit, um, one is going to score you points for having a specific symbol. So one of the other suits being a symbol. Um, the other card in the suit will give you points for having the most of another suit. And then finally, the third card in that suit is going to have some sort of unique scoring ability. So what you're trying to do is in this air is draft cards that are going to play off each other. And then you'll score. Again, three rounds. Uh, the interesting part and the way I think this really works as a two-player drafting game is that what you're going to do after the round is you're going to pull all five cards back into your hand and you're going to choose one to discard from the game and you're going to choose one to endure into your next era of civilization and the other three then stay in your hand so what you're doing is you're like i said discarding one one's going face up in front of you and you're going to put a little marker on it to show that this one's staying in your tableau and then you're going to have three cards in your hand and each player is then going to draw two new cards from the deck and you'll do that all over again um, again, so where your tableau starts to build, you're also setting up combos and all kinds of little fun things, but it's just so quick and so refreshing that uh, it's, it just flies by 
and you you know there's some really high scoring combos and hate drafting obviously because you're only playing with one and you can remember the cards a little bit better as they're coming back and forth um, the new cards each round throw a little wrench in your plans but you'll see them eventually when they get past you so uh, all in all I really I really thought this was cool it was nice to see because I am like Tiff and Matt a big fan of drafting games and it was nice to see it kind of whittled down into this micro game 18 cards um, that worked really well um, I do have concern that it's I don't know if it's going to need to expand or something but I could see this game wearing out its welcome after you know eight to ten plays because it's just the same thing over and over again yeah you'll find new combos but after a while you're only going to have so many things you can do with these 18 cards but it's only 12 dollars when it comes out and i think it's well worth that price well i think if you get through your eight plays you should just switch to playing with someone else because another person might change things up for you yeah yeah. yeah, that's the case with any game, I guess. But I, I, I'm just, I was just giving that caveat there. I think it's a really good game, but I could see it kind of wearing out its welcome after a while, me moving on to something new. But I think they did a really great job in distilling draft into a two-player kind of almost a variant game in a way. I don't think there are too many. I, I can't think of any drafting game that works two players. So this is, I mean, there are games that have, I think Among the Stars has a two-player variant that works that I've played. And that's okay. Seven Wonders has one, but it's definitely not my favorite count to play that game at. It's got a kind of weird dummyish player and that's that's the thing, like with draft games, when you play two player, they usually throw some kind of dummy or some sort of other mechanism that kind of just waters down the experience. This is just straight on hate draft, play a card, blah blah blah. You know, do whatever you want. I'm excited for this one. I definitely want to give it a try. I mean you offered it to me this weekend, but I didn't get a chance to play it, Dan. Um, I don't know if this will be one that I pick up. It seems like one that I should just pick up for twelve bucks. Twelve but bucks. Yeah. yeah, but you can always just have mine and play it. I mean, it's... yeah, that's what I'm thinking is that it, I might burn through those like eight to ten plays pretty quickly because Kel and I will will just kind of go at it. Um, but I don't know. It might be a good one to have on hand since I do end up in two player situations more than I think. Um, I wonder if they'll give it any support. I don't know. It seems to have done well at Gen Con, but I don't know how yeah. they plan on expanding it. Well, I think everybody just walks by and sees, oh, $12? Okay. Yeah. I, I, it's just hard to say no to it. It's it's good looking art, really nice, oh, yeah. big old cards. I love the giant size of everything, and I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be good for Board Game Club. I would actually like to have a couple of copies of this, because sometimes I have kids that show up and just want to play with a friend. Like, they don't want to mess around with the board game club. They're like, I want to go in the corner, <laughs> my one friend that I brought with me, and, and, and this might be, yeah. yeah, this might be the good thing for that. Are you so. talking about your kids or you, Tiff? <laughs> Tiff comes to board game club, she's like, screw you guys. Tiff's sitting in the corner, and she's like, you can come play with the teacher in the corner. I'm solo and Agricola in the corner. They're just... <laughs> this actually might be a good one to have on hand in case you ever end up coming late to a game night and need to, yeah. like, fill time. Yeah. yeah, I don't know that's going to be my go-to for any situation. It's good. Um, Tiff touched on a really great point. The tarot size cards are really nice. They give a nice feel on the, the table as well as the, the beautiful artwork. The artwork in this game is astounding. Um, but I don't know. It's it's good. I mean, it's it's a great way to kill 15 minutes, but will it be my go-to way minutes, to kill 15 yeah. minutes? Probably not. You don't want to know his go-to way to kill 15 minutes. <laughs> 
I can speculate. You walked into that one. That's why I play this game one-handed, Matt. Hey-o! <laughs> he can fit 30 minutes worth of time into 15 minutes. Multitask. Anyway. I'm uncomfortable. Yep. Let's move on. I am too. <laughs> um... <laughs> he was talking about drinking a soda or a beer, Tiff. God, where is no. your mind at? It's, you don't want to know. This is why we don't record at night. So I think that's all we have for everyone today. Um, thank you all for joining us for another episode of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. We had fun. Hopefully you did too. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can always shoot us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. You can find us on Facebook by searching for the League of Nonsensical Gamers. You can join the conversation over on BGG by going to guild number 2077. Feel free to throw up a post or comment on one of the other ones that are there. Or you can find us on Twitter through our personal handles. Tiff, if anyone wants to find you, set up a board game night or something. Oh, um, I am at ineptgamer. All right. And Dan, how do they find you? Just look for me. He'll be there. Uh, at scandalous underscore nad for my personal account or... Find me at the League account at League Nonsense because that's where I am all the time. Awesome. And I can be found on Twitter at Cinnamon Buns spelled phonetically. I feel like people should also check us out on like Instagram or give us an iTunes review if you enjoy the show, which hopefully you do. Please. Um, and all kinds of ways to support us because we want this show to do well. We want everyone to enjoy the content. We want more people to listen to us so that we can do cool stuff that everyone enjoys. Uh, and you know, we just like having our names in lights, you know, that's only Matt. It's just me. I, I have my name in lights above me right now. Makes me feel better. It's Cause you didn't take down your Christmas decorations. Uh, so thank you all for joining us. We will catch you next time. Take care. Toodles. Bye. <laughs>